2008 World Champions of Baseball. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. It's Wednesday, April 3rd, 2019. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet, the Phillies are flying out of the chute. They sweep the Braves at home. They roll the Nats last night in Washington, and they lose a tough one in the bottom of the ninth today, 9-8. This team is fun to watch. The Sixers are resting their way into the playoffs playing meaningless basketball. We'll talk some about that for sure. The Flyers are playing out the string. The Eagles have a new running back in the nest. And three of the number one seeds are out of the NCAA tournament. There's never a dull moment. Exciting time of year, Bill. We'll certainly get to the Sixers in the second half of the show, but we're going to focus on the Red Hot Phils and Bryce Harper's first week in town before all that. As for the Flyers, I don't know what else we can say about them at this point other than happy 74th birthday to Bernie Perron. What a great guy, and today is his birthday. Yes, it is. And, hey, we and we have a couple great guests tonight, too, Chad. Our first guest has been with us before. Frankly, there's no one I'd rather talk Phillies with than Chris Wheeler. Uh, Chris will be joining us here in the first half of the show. And our second guest, Fred Hugo. Fred is always fired up about everything Philly sports, so we'll cover it all with him. Yeah, Fred is a diehard Philly sports fan, and he is always pumped up. You got that right. Well, hey, Chip, before we get to wheels in just a few minutes, I wanted to tell you about two of the conversations I had this weekend at the CSA memorabilia show in Chantilly, Virginia. The first with that Delaware County great Billy White Shoes Johnson. You know, I sent you a message over the weekend uh, while I was there that I was going to talk to you about a conversation I had with that Emmett Smith. You know him from that guy with the ugly uniform on? I've heard of but him. Then I got, but then I got an opportunity to talk to Billy Johnson. And uh, what a great guy, Delaware County guy, Chichester High School. Uh, I actually saw Billy play at Collingdale High School in 1969 when I was just a lad and Billy was um, a senior in high school. And uh, we got to talk about that game. He remembered it vividly. We talked about uh, – all the track, it was it was a prime time for track sprinters in Delaware County at that time, and uh, Billy was a, was a major part of that. And uh, so we got to talk about a lot of old times. And man, thanks to Bill Mattis for hooking me up to get to uh, to meet with Billy, and uh, had a great time talking with him about some old Philly stuff. Yeah, I know you always have a good time at that Chantilly CSA show. I saw your pick with Robert Parrish, and yeah, good old White Shoes Johnson. Good to see him looking good. Yeah, and you know, I did not know this, but Billy told me that uh, the Delaware County guys, public school guys, basically went down, him and, and all those guys that were in those uh, those sprints together, went down to the Penn Relays and smoked the entire field. Uh, at that time in the, in the uh, 440 relay, which I did not know at, uh, until he told me that, but that was pretty cool as well. Wow, yeah. Yep. Uh, any, Billy, any other uh, stories? Any other well, stories I, from I, we, Well, we got a minute to talk about that Emmett Smith thing. You know, Emmett is an interesting guy now uh, where he wasn't always considered a real nice, friendly guy to, to, to fans. Uh, he now has a business. It's an um, authentication business. And he has a table set up where any Cowboys stuff or any other stuff, uh, but specifically Cowboys and his, has to go through his service to be authenticated before it is signed. Um, and that is that comes from a, a story that he tells each day that he's there of him going into a store and seeing his own fake autograph. And ah. that's how it started out. And... Uh, so he started his own authentication company, and uh, but I did talk to to him about uh, the Eagles rivalry and how he basically ruined a decade of my football life and a, lo- a bunch <laughs> of us, and how how having watched him in uh, in high school down here in Florida at Escambia High and then when the University of Florida and how I just dreaded draft day I kept saying don't go to the Cowboys don't go to the Cowboys and he was laughing 
And I said, then you went to the Cowboys and you ruined a, a decade of my football life. So he said, well, you bounced back because the Eagles are playing pretty good ball right now and you finally got that Super Bowl. So that was that was fun as well. Sounds like my conversation with Rondé Barber the previous week. So uh, good to hear that they're both actually good guys. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, we got Chet, with that, with that uh, let's talk Red Hot Phillies with our first guest, longtime Phillies analyst Chris Wheeler. Wheels, welcome back. Thanks, guys. Good to be with you, as always. Hey, Wheels. Great seeing you down in Clearwater again this year. Uh, That that was a lot of fun. I know you enjoy it down there, and I always enjoy going down there every year as well. Uh, Right out of the chute here, Chris, I remember you said in past years, you're not big on making predictions, and I'm not going to ask you to, but (laughs) I just want to let you know that on our season preview show last week, I predicted 91 wins for the Phils, and the normally conservative Bill said 96 now, the team is off to a 4-1 and one start. Ooh. They're hitting like crazy. I mean, are we maybe too low with those numbers? Well, yeah, you're right, Chad. I, and it was good to see you, too. And, you know, I, I hate it down here. That's why I'm living here now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just a terrible place to be. What can I tell you? Um, you know, this club has a lot of pluses, and it's got its minuses, too. So, you know, to predict – to predict, um, you know, the division's tough. So I, I think that's a lot of wins to try to predict because I think these teams are going to knock themselves off a lot in this division, you know, because you have to remember how many times they play each other. Uh, you know, there's a familiarity involved in that, and you get a pretty good pretty good feel for each other. So, uh, And what will it take to win the division? That'll be the thing because uh, although, you, you know, these, this division's so tough, a wild card could, could, could conceivably come out of it. But, all that after five games is hard to speculate. Uh, you know, after t- after today, you know, you see some of the you see some of the holes and some of the warts, uh, yep. and you go, well, you got to. But that's baseball. You know, you go play 162 games, and some days you're going to look really good, some days you're going to look really bad, and then they always say it's that stuff in between that you have to try and win those games in between, and that's what the good teams do. And um, you know, this team has a chance to win a lot of games because they're they're really deep in the lineup. Uh, you know, I've always I felt from day one that the pitching is going to be the whether they win or not. You know, the starters and and obviously the bullpen and uh, you know that's kind of showing itself early. I think. Well, Wills, as you said, uh, you know, you don't play the games on paper. You have to play the games, and there's an awful lot of them. But when I look at this this lineup that they've put together and all the acquisitions, and to me, Harper's kind of the cherry on top. I w- I was over at spring training game before they got him. And I like the lineup. Uh, then you throw him in the mix. Um, to me, this is this is a lineup eight deep that I'm not sure I ever remember the Phillies having, even in some of the glory years, to be able to go eight deep with no weak spots. No, I agree with you, Bill. And, and the thing uh, today was a perfect example. Uh, uh, your best pitcher goes out there, and he's right down the middle with everything, and he's getting smoked like he never see him getting hit like that. The wind was blowing out. It was a hitter's day. You could tell just the opposite of last night when, you know, they could see their breath when they're out there on the field because it was so cold. So they play that long, drawn-out game last night, uh, and the Phillies uh, come out on top. Now, it's really hard to play the next day, and then you know you're going to get on the train and come home after that. And I really, you know, I'm sitting here after it was 6-2, to two, after they had had the quick 2 to nothing lead, and I'm thinking, now I'm going to find out something about this bunch, even early on. Because in the last few years when the team was so bad, um, if the top pitcher in the club had gotten blown out, blown out like that early, it's over. I mean, you could smell the fumes on the on the bus. You know that the buses are running already. And we used to say that. Oh boy, the the fumes. You can, look, smell them right now in the booth. And uh, the same thing with the opposition. You know, when you, you you put that on them in, in your home ballpark at the end of a tough series and all. So, and then they come back and and. And darn if they don't leave two men on third base, you know, in the fourth inning, the fifth inning, where they where they can score with less than one with less than two outs, a fly ball, they get strikeouts there. Then you're thinking, no, nah, they're not going to catch up today. It's just one and doggone if they don't wind up not only catching up but taking the lead on that dramatic double by uh, uh, who who had it. I'm trying to remember McCutcheon. by McCutcheon. McCutcheon. Yeah, by McCutcheon on the great slide at home plate by Kingery and all that. And they, you know, they they're sitting there with a really good chance to win, but. They made, they made mistakes at the end, you know. It looked like Reese kind of got fooled on that double pump. Uh, he wasn't going to – I'm sure knowing him, he won't make excuses, but he kind of double pumped on him, uh, Dominguez did. If you watch a replay, he doesn't get a grip the first time. You know, 
if you ever played, and I'm sure you guys have, there's timing involved in every play, and the timing got off on that play. You could see it. Hoskins not experienced first baseman where you shift your feet when things don't go quite right. And I think he got himself caught in between where he's going to get smoked by the runner and he may have taken his eye off the ball for just a second. That's what I thought watching the replay, um, that the timing got off on that play. And he boxed it. And to his credit, I'm sure he'll say he did. Uh, but, you know, little things like that. And then Robertson's really been a disappointment early on because this is a guy that was really good pitcher with the Yankees. He can't get anybody out right now. Well, you mentioned the pitching, and I think that could be one of the warts that you alluded to, Wheels. We know they're going to score a lot of runs, the offense, all that firepower they have, but I don't know if they have enough starting pitching, and I thought the bullpen was going to be pretty good, but even some of the bullpen guys haven't looked great just yet. So is pitching the main concern for you? It is for me. It was all, all, it was all winter. Even uh, you, you know, made a couple of good moves. The moves I loved all winter, I told everybody, is I always thought Gene Segura was a heck of a player, an underrated player, but he kept bouncing around from club to club, and you thought, well, maybe there's a problem or whatever. But I thought, this guy's pretty good shortstop, even though he kicked one today. And uh, he can swing the bat, and he really puts the ball in play, and he hits a lot of balls to right and right center. Uh, when, when they try pitching away, and you come inside to him, he's a strong little guy. He'll pop one. So I really love that deal. But the, the lineup was really good, and then here comes Harper to, to make it even better. But I just kept thinking, gee, Robertson, I thought, heck of an addition because they need some pitchers, some experience in that bullpen, guys who can get three outs, and you can use them in different spots, and he can get left-handers out the way that he did. Rotation, so well, you got one solid guy in Nola. you got Arietta who has been but wasn't last year, so what happens? And then you got all these ifs and maybes coming up in the rotation, and I still – I guess I'm old-fashioned, but I still believe you have to pitch and play defense if you're going to be a good team or you won't be. Well, absolutely. And and I guess it sounds like you didn't get to watch the postgame live. Uh, interestingly, uh, Reese did not make any any excuses yeah. at all. He took full blame. And, and sure. David Robertson, the same thing. He said, you know, these are the three worst games of my entire life put back-to-back. I've never had this happen to me before, and today was the worst game I've ever pitched in my life. But well, there you that, go. That, I, I like that. I like that that they're taking. I'm sorry, Bill. I didn't mean to interrupt. I, well, I like that that they're 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 owning it because it doesn't do you any good to to make a lot, especially in our market. I mean, come on, people know what happened or didn't happen, and and uh, just own up to it and move on. Well, and that, and that's what I was going to say. Another thing that I'm, I'm really finding that I like about this bunch is that there there seems to be a passion. Uh, coming out of everybody that that you see interviewed, not just today, but so far. Of course, easy to have passion when you're winning, but there seems to be uh, some energy that we haven't seen in a little while with the whole bunch, too. A lot of energy, and uh, you know, you find out about you don't learn anything about teams when they're winning. You find out when they lose, and you're going to lose in baseball. I mean, I remember even with our good teams, sometimes you think, "Geez, we haven't won a game in a week." You know, it just happens. It's just you, you have a couple off days, you lose five, six games, and, and then, you, you know, you kind of find out how guys do. Uh, you know, do they start dragging, do they start uh, sniping at their teammates, do they start making excuses. So you're right. This team has the potential to have a lot of energy uh, when things are going right like they are right now. And I've always said you don't learn anything good about a, another human being or anything about a sports team when things are going good. You learn everything about people and teams when things go bad. Wills, you've seen a you've seen a lot of big name guys come and go with the Phils. Pete Rose in '79 that worked out pretty well. Lance Parrish in '87 <laughs> that didn't really pan out. Uh, have you ever seen a great immediate love affair like what we're seeing with the Phillies fans and no. Bryce Harper? No. It's, look, I lived through the whole Pete thing, which was great, but we didn't have the media attention back then. Nobody had the media attention yeah. that you have now, where you know where, where everybody's uh, everybody can put their their two cents in. What did Joe Paterno say? I'll take your uh, I'll uh, I'll take your money, but I don't want your two cents, which was one of the was a great line that Joe says. But you know, but that's what you get nowadays. Everybody's a genius. Everybody's putting their and it's all it's all out there, you know, and on, on social media and all this stuff. So the attention is is incredible, and he, he's very much like Pete. He reminds me of guys because he uh, he always, he says the right things. I think because. That's uh, well, Pete. You know, had a, had a few holes in his personality, but Pete always knew <laughs> to say the right things. I think Bryce Harper's really like this. I used to hear that from from guys that I knew in the Nationals. Uh, 
especially the other broadcasters. That, they'll tell you about players because you find out what a player's like, how they treat you. So uh, they always raved about Harper. They said he's a great guy. He's just going to annoy you as a player because cause he beats you and he plays so hard. And it's true. And I think I think he's handled everything great. But no, the Rose thing was unbelievable. And, but this Harper thing is just in another category. And I hope it starts to calm down a little bit. I'm glad he got through Washington real quick, got that over with, got through our opener at home. And now you go home and play a team like the Twins, you know, that everybody thinks you're going to beat three straight, which, of course, is crazy because that's not the way things normally work out. But there won't be all the hype and all the stuff going on this weekend. He, he can just start to be a baseball player again. Yeah, and I think Tom Tom McCarthy addressed that uh, well last night when they said during last night's broadcast when he said he was asked why um, the Philly fans have taken to Bryce so much and says and his response was because Bryce has taken to them, you know, with the fanatic yeah. shoes and the T-shirts and all this stuff that he he is. Uh, uh, you know, he knows where he's at. He knows this is a tough market, and as soon as he goes bad, they're going to boo him in Philly as well. But uh, he, he's creating a great environment for himself and this team. He is. And as I said, I think it's, I think it's natural with him. I really don't think it's an act. Um, and, look, fans love it. I, I used to go through the things with the fans in Philadelphia. They used to keep telling me that Jay Johnstone was a much better player than Bake McBride. I go, come on. Talking about well, watch watch Jay when he goes out. He throws a ball to the crowd and he waves. So what's that got to do with anything? Well, we like that. Okay, that's terrific. You like that. And and look, you guys know you've been around for a long time. They didn't like Mike Schmidt because Mike Schmidt did not give back to the fans. Mike Schmidt is was he's so much better now. It's so much. It's great to see him enjoying his life so much more. But when Michael played, it was all business. He was serious. He was a recluse in many ways. And he did not like to express his emotions. He just didn't. So the fans, they didn't like that. So what did they do? They booed the best player in the history of our team uh, <laughs> until he, so all of a sudden they realized, hmm. So the guys that can give it back a little bit, like, like look at Tuck McGraw, how he, would, how he would play in the crowd all the time. Well, they love that. Fans love players that will play to them. And Harper gets it. And, but I don't think it's an act with him. I think he really, I think he really enjoys it. Well, speaking of which, Wheels, uh, you are an old-school guy, as you've said. What is your take on you know, the modern-day player with the bat-flipping and the group celebrations? What do you think of all that stuff? I hate it. I hate it. I'll take that <laughs> But uh, I'm so glad I'm not on the air now. I have to go act like a phony that it's all okay. I, I really – because you, you, I would be an absolute 100% phony if I were on the air right now saying that that's great. But you know what? You have to move on. You, you can't be a – you know, you can't be a dinosaur. You need to do the, all the sports are doing. I mean, the greatest thing in the, in the NFL right now is how they're going to choreograph an end zone thing. Oh, give me a break. You know, that, 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 uncle, uncle with that. I, I bring Joe up again. My, I, I love Joe Paterno. I bring it up again. You know, he, every, if, he, if a kid didn't hand a ball to a referee after he scored, he didn't play after that. You know, he, it, there's a way to act. But you know what? Nowadays, you really, I think, in baseball, and, and we're a little bit behind the eight ball with it, trying to get young people to, to enjoy the game because of the attention span that some people have. So you have to do some of that stuff, and I think it's great that they're doing it. I don't like it, and Harper would have been, would have been decked today after flipping a bat at, the, at their dugout the way that he did last night, but now they just go, eh, whatever. You know, it's one of those things. Yeah, we'll do it back to you instead. (laughs) He hit it 500 feet, you know, so he deserves to do that. Okay. Well, the guy, the old guys, oh, no, no, no. It didn't work that way. Uh, I totally understand it, and, I, I, you know, I'm going to go along with it because I'm a Phillies fan, and I'll always be uh, root for the the Phillies because I love the organization, the team so much. But I I can't be, I can't, you know, try to jive you guys and say that I think it's good because I don't like it. Well, speak, speaking old school, what do you think about some of these proposed rule changes that they're talking about, Wheels, with uh, having to leave relief pitchers in for three outs and uh, or three batters and having uh, what is it, one of the league I guess, leagues, I guess, is going to try a computerized strike zone and some of this yeah. other stuff? What, what do you think of that? Well, Bill, I'm good with I'm good with some of it. You know that now you, when you say you're old school, it doesn't mean you can't change. Uh, uh, and I think the game needs some changes that way because it's become, 
it's become much too synchronized now with the shifts um, and with the scouting reports that they have and with the specialty relievers and so many guys that can throw so hard for one hitter or have a nasty breaking ball with it, and then that's all they do is have to get one hitter out, and then you got to wait two hours, uh, two minutes and 15 seconds while they make another pitch, and they want to know why the games are so long. Look at all the pitching changes and all the walks. That, mm-hmm. you know, the, the last two games, look at all the walks in the last two games, which, you know, you like it when your guys are walking, especially the way the Phillies are doing that. But these guys, they, they either can't throw it over the plate afraid to throw it over the plate or the umpires have these little posted stamp strike zones. And that's another whole thing that they could work on that could change the game. But I, I kind of like, I really like the idea that a pitcher has to pitch to, to three batters or something like that. I think that's a great idea. And some of the other things I would love to see them outlaw these shifts. I really would, but I can't see I don't see that happening. Um, uh, but the but the the relief pitching thing really adds a lot to games because of all the commercial time every time you bring a new pitcher in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, final thing for me, Wheels. When I saw you down in Clearwater, I was wearing a Dick Allen for the Hall of Fame T-shirt. I think I know <laughs> how you feel, but what are your oh, memories yeah. of Dick Allen? And should he be in the Hall? Oh man, you know what he he's a little bit to, uh, to my generation, like these kids are with like Harper is. I noticed last night it was freezing there. Uh, a lot of people still stayed around because Harper had another at bat. And when we were kids at Connie Mack stadium, Chet, if Richie Allen had another at bat, we stayed because yep. he might hit one right over the Cadillac sign on the roof or do <laughs> something, you know, some hit some monster shot. And you could tell your buddies that you, you, Hey, we were there last night. We saw it. He's a hall of famer. It's a joke that the man isn't in the hall of fame. When you see some of the people that are in ahead of him, um, I give Mark Carfagno a lot of credit. He's a, he's a kid. You hear a lot of a kid. He's, he was on the ground crew when I started. He's froggy on the ground crew. But Mark Carfagno yep. has done a spectacular job with a lot of other people to try and 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 bring Dick Allen to the uh, uh, to the attention of the voters. I can't, he misses by one vote last time. He's got to wait four more years or whatever it is. Uh, his numbers are off the charts. Ask anybody who played against him in that era who they feared as a hitter, uh, who was one of the greatest players of that generation and it's Richie Allen. So he should be in the Hall of Fame, and I think it's just awful that he isn't. Well, Will, I think we agree with you on that. Hey, uh, one more baseball question I have for you. Sure. It has to do with uh, strikeouts. I don't know if you know, because <laughs> I think it just became uh, it just came out that the Yankees struck out 18 times today in a nine-inning oh game, setting awful? a franchise record. They've been playing baseball in New York uh, in Yankee pinstripes for a long, long time. Uh, well, today, 18 Ks in a nine-inning <laughs> game against the Tigers, no less. Joe needed to strike out 18 times in three months. <laughs> uh, well, not, what do you not, think about go. these guys? Just, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I striking know. out isn't important. You know, if I hear one more person as a baseball person tell me that it's just an out, I want to – well, I'm not big enough to hit anybody. But you just want to <laughs> – you just want to say, come on. You don't believe that because if you make contact – Anything can happen. An error, you can hit a, a quail somewhere, break your – anything can happen. If you strike out, nothing happens. And that's another problem with a game. Are there too many strikeouts? Because they got all these guys into this lift and separate try, style of hitting where they drop that back shoulder and they're, they're trying to hit it in the air and hit it out of the ballpark. What do we used to preach? Hey, try to hit the ball on the ground, you know, hit it through the middle – uh, try to get your hits that way, and the guys that hit home runs are going to hit home runs. Now they want, you know, 150-pound guys that hit 20 home runs by lifting the ball. And and what do you do? You get these amazing number of strikeouts. What was last year, the first year, the history of the game, where there were more strikeouts in the game than hits? That's yep. a problem. And I don't know what you do to correct it. Uh, one of the reasons could be, you know, to have a relief pitcher uh, have to face more hitters because then they won't, you know, they won't, may, may not be as effective. But there's there's more underlying problems there, guys. That, and I certainly can't. Uh, I'm I, I certainly not smart enough to figure it out. But uh, if they think that this is a, the best way for the game to uh, to go along, where you have inning after inning where nothing happens uh, because guys are striking out or the shifts are taking hits away from them, those kind of things, I really think uh, are not good for the game that I love so much. I really don't like it. Uh, I'm with you. 
Well, hey, Wheels, we appreciate you taking time. What do you what do you have going on now that you're a full time Florida <laughs> resident? I think when we had you last time, you were just moving. <laughs> you we're just getting ready to do it yeah. full time. How's it all working out? You get a lot of golf in. Well, I'm going to stay at least six months and be a resident, so I'll come back up in July probably. So yeah, I've been playing quite a bit of golf. I think I may go to the Threshers home opener on Friday night. Try to go and see a few minor league games once in a while because it's kind of cool. I never was able to do that because I was never a fan. I was never able to go and see some of the prospects. And and now somebody asks you about somebody, say, yeah, I saw that guy play a couple games. Yeah, he's got a chance. So I'm going to do that. Uh, I don't know, uh, you know, whether I'm ever going to get a job down here or do something. I worked spring training. That's how I saw Chad. I, you know, I did some dinners and golf and did the PA and those kind of things, which I, which I just, I love being around the club. I love baseball so much. I don't want to be, I don't want to work as hard as Tom and, and those guys have to work right now, uh, especially with these long games they have to go through. But I still love being around it. And I'm, I got my Apple TV down here with my MLB package, uh, so I'm watching the games I watched today too. There you go. Life is good. All Life right, my man. Well, we appreciate you joining us. And uh, since you have some free time, let's do it again. Anytime, Bill Chet. You guys know where I am. And uh, I love talking baseball with you because you guys care. You know what you're talking about. And you enjoy it. I know that. All right, Thanks, we Wheeler. appreciate you. Okay, guys, keep in touch. All righty. Hey, right, Chet, um, before we get away from the Phillies, I, I told you I had an Andrew McCutcheon high school story that I think you'll enjoy that I wanted to share with you since Andrew started the season off with a first at-bat home run. <laughs> Please do. You're full of stories tonight, Bill. Go ahead. I am. I am <laughs> full of stories. Let's go back. We're somewhere. I don't have my years maybe exactly right, but I'm going to say 2005. Andrew McCutcheon's a senior at Fort Meade High School right down here in the neighborhood. And we're playing in the Blue Devil Classic, which is a spring tournament that happens down here every year over at Winter Haven High School. And we had, I guess it was like the 3 o'clock game on a given day. And he had the 1 o'clock game. So we get there, you know, right about 1 o'clock, get there early. Um, the stands are full of scouts. There had to be 30, 40, I mean, ton. McCutcheon is the same height he is now, which is probably about 5'9". Weighed probably 140, 150 pounds max. First inning, he comes up. He hits a ball over the left field scoreboard jet that had to be a 400-foot shot. Every single guy picks up his notebook, closes his book, and says, seen enough. They never stayed and saw another pitch. And Andrew McCutcheon, not long after, became a first-round draft pick. And he's still looking pretty good. He's off to a good start. And, uh, boy, the home run, the first at bat this year, the bases clearing double today. I like that pickup. You bet. You bet. Well, I thought you would enjoy that because uh, there was no question for for those of us that got to see him even uh, in his early high school years when my son Mike played with him on an all-star team, uh, he was going to be a superstar. And uh, I'm not sure we thought he'd be an MVP of the major leagues, but uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to see him in Philadelphia because, like I say, been following him for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. We're going to do a random Q2 in the second half hour this week, Bill. Uh, we're going to talk to our pal Fred Hugo in just a minute. But first, we've got to talk about the Irish Rover because everybody knows by now that Bill and I are big fans of our Philly sports teams, and we are huge fans of the Irish Rover Station House. They've got a great variety of food and drink, a terrific menu, plus lunch specials, dinner specials, happy hour specials, and always 24 beers on tap. And now with baseball season here, there are Philly specials whenever the game is on Monday through Friday. Two and a quarter Bud Drafts, $4 Goose Island Drafts, and the Rovers Stadium Dog Menu. There's trivia every Wednesday evening. You can hurry over there right after listening to our show tonight. And, hey, this Sunday, the acoustic duo Joe and Krista are back to provide a little entertainment starting at 3 p.m. It all happens at the Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne. Visit their website, irishroverstationhouse.com. That's some good whistling right there. Hey, Chuck, oh, yeah. we have a lot more to cover, so let's welcome our second guest back to Philly Press Box Radio to start out with some Sixers talk. So let's welcome Fred Hugo back, and uh, I got some Sixers bones to pick with you two. <laughs> ah, what's up, guys? Hey, Great Fred, as always. 
All right, let's get to it, Fred. We're going to talk a little Sixers with you first, get to some Eagles in a little bit. I know the Sixers pretty much have been locked into the third seed in the East and that they're resting Joel for a few games here and that Jimmy Bucket sat out with a back issue Monday night. But that loss to the Mavericks on Monday was ugly. Are you okay with the, you know, this kind of stuff happening two weeks before the playoffs tip off? No way, no how. I'm, it's disgusting me. I, I'm cool Thank with you. You know, sitting Joe, Joel, you know, in the road trip, he's going to play, whatever. That that happens across the league. It, it is what it is. That's the way the NBA is now. I don't necessarily agree with it, but it is what it is. But the fact that they're just playing lethargic basketball almost as if, you know, it doesn't matter it is, is killing me. You know, it, even the, the Timberwolves game, they almost blew that one. And they're just – even the games they win, they still don't have an identity. And that was Brett – you have these star players, you have to develop that identity going into the playoffs, you know? And I still don't feel like they have an identity. And, and they're not – it's not like they're a championship team that can just flick the switch. They haven't flicked the switch yet. They're, they're still – we haven't seen it yet. So, I'm, I'm disappointed in, in how they're doing it. So, that might soften the blow of the boon you're going to pick with us, Bill, but I, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm against it. Well, I, I, I'll tell you what, I'm surprised that both of you, that we are all in agreement on this because I hate it. And and quite frankly, I'll go out on a ledge here, and I'm going to tell you they're going to get knocked out of the playoffs. They may, win a, they may win a round because they're going to out-talent somebody. This team is not ready for the playoffs. I agree. I, 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 just, don't, I just don't see it. I and we've talked about this, uh, maybe it was two or three weeks ago, Chet, about what I was seeing is not a, not any urgency in this team. And, heck, it's gotten worse instead of better. Uh, and I think you felt like over the last 12 or 15 games that they needed to, to put it together, and they certainly haven't done that. I agree entirely. Um, yeah, they, gotta, they have, what, five or six games left? they got to start playing hard. I know Embiid is not playing tonight. He will play the next game, which I think is against uh, Milwaukee, so that's a big one. Uh, I would like to see them play a lot harder and win that game. Uh, Fred, are we set on the rotation now going down the stretch? You know, we know who the five starters are. Who are the guys going to be coming off the bench, and are we going to see Bolden? Are we going to see Boban? Are we going to see them both? You know, how is this going to work out? Well, they're going to shorten the bench for the playoffs, but again, he still doesn't have a set rotation. It's it's yeah. almost like he has a, and I've heard other people compare it to like a hockey shift. Like they come on for a shift, they come off. It has yeah. nothing. They're not looking at who the other team has on the floor and match it up. Like at at one point in the Boston game, he had Boban on Horford. You can't you can't do that. You just can't even. It should be timeout. You're out. But like, but so I don't think the rotations are set. Um, I'm. I don't know what they're going to do. I for I typically have an idea, and I think I think I kind of have knowledge of what they may or may not do. I don't know because there's times I'm like, hey, Bolden is shooting terrific from the field. We're in a close game, and he'll he'll pull him and, and put Amir in. Or now they just got rid of Justin Patton, and they they brought in Greg Monroe. Is yeah. is he going to get minutes now? So it's just I think it's that's that's part of my concern, and I do agree with you, Bill, that that. that out in the first or second round, you know, depending on who they play, and it's they're not because Brooklyn's not a good matchup for us. So, you know, I'm 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 certainly very concerned, and I and I don't think the rotation is set at all. Well, and I guess you know when you look at him, oh, Embiid has missed some time. We know he's going to step back in, and he may score forty and get twenty the first day back. That that Agreed. part doesn't bother me quite as much as just the fact of everybody playing together. And uh, as we know, as you get to the playoffs, the competition's tougher every night. And that's really what worries me is just no cohesiveness. And uh, you guys probably know what the exact number is of games these guys have played together, but it isn't many. It, it's a, I don't know the exact number, but it, you're right. Yeah, it's, it's like nine guys out one night or or – or even even when they do play together, like one night it'll be Jimmy and Joel are featured that night, and then the next night he'll feature, you know, Ben with Tob- Ben with Jimmy or Toby with Joel. It's not like, and then and they just sprinkle, 
you know, uh, Redick in there, they don't use him accordingly. You know, he just shoots like he's a superstar, whether he's hot or cold, where I, I feel like I, there's no cohesion. You, you nailed the word. It's just kind of like, hey, roll this out here and, and let's see what happens. Brett likes to use the word, let it evolve organically. Well, I mean, nothing's evolved organically. It's, it's, still, it's still just like throwing paint at the wall and see what sticks. And, and they have enough talent to get wins that way in the regular season, obviously. But the playoffs are a total different animal. If they had Boston in the first round, they, they would get knocked out in the first round. No yeah. question. All right, Fred, I know you're a fan of Jimmy Butler, um, but I got an issue with him. Some nights he looks like he's still an all-world player. Other nights he looks like he's not even there for half the game. Then maybe he'll you know, pick it up in the third or fourth quarter. Um, are you seeing that same thing, and are you sure you want him back next season? I recently have, have seen that, but I, I can't blame it on just it, – it's a, it seems like a team thing to me. But I, I, had, I did notice for a stretch there that Brett was – you know, basically designing the offense around him, and, and that seemed to get him involved more in their scoring. Um, I do do want him back. I, I think you need the veteran presence. I think he gets a, along with that locker room a lot more than than the media, I guess you would say, is putting out there. I want him back, but I, I don't – I just – my problem is I, I, don't, I haven't seen – and Tobias, I mean, he has some scoring streaks, but it, I just ha- – I haven't seen him – all together play as a team to know. So then that I don't like pointing the finger at Brett, but I mean, doesn't he's going to get the off season to work with them, but what do we get rid of uh, Jimmy Butler? Then we bring in another guy. Now Brett has another season to gel with that squad. It's like, let's get a, one team together. We need a better bench definitely and go from there. But I, I, to answer your Jimmy question, I do want him back, but I do see the things that, that you see as okay. well. All right, one final question for both of you. Does it concern you that the Sixers, as we sit right now, have an 8-8 eight eight division record, which Milwaukee is 14-2, and two, Toronto's 11-4, Boston's 10-6. Sixers are 8-8, eight and eight, okay? So we have that, that stat. We're going to talk analytics here. And also, <laughs> points per game allowed. The Sixers will be the low, have given up the most points other than Brooklyn, and that's only by three-tenths of a point, be giving up the most points of any team in the East in the playoffs. All right, i first. It doesn't bother me a whole lot, the first uh, point you mentioned, the fact that they're 8-8 eight and eight or whatever in the division, because a lot of those losses came earlier in the year before they had uh, Butler and then, of course, uh, Toby and Bobby. So they have played better against the elite teams in the East since those guys came along. They beat Boston. They beat Indiana. They beat Milwaukee. So I think they have gotten better. I'm not worried about that. I think they are getting better at playing against the better teams. The defense, yes, yeah, sometimes they're very good. Sometimes they're not. And you've got to play better defense going into the playoffs. So, yes, that part of it is a concern. Fred? I agree with you as far as the, the record doesn't really concern me because, you know, there were games that Kawhi was out. Joel was out, and of course you didn't have the full squad. So, and then they've proven down the stretch here, like you just said, Chet, to be be able to beat those teams. But the the my main concern is the defense because defense is an attitude, one thing. So you, you there's there's times they just turn it on and play defense, and other times they don't. And if you can't guard, I, I don't I don't see how you win. Like that, that's one of my gripes actually with Jimmy Butler. I've seen he's been taken off the dribble multiple times and it's like when one guy if you if you're not in sync as a unit on the defensive floor one guy gets beat the other guy goes to help and Boston nails it on us they just swing it around the horn till they find the open guy and they knock down the open shot so my the defense is a major concern to me and and that's supposed to be what Brett's all about so I I don't get it Mm. All right well hey let's take a break let's thank our friends at Allstate Insurance in Westchester PA hey Chet you're looking for insurance in that tri-state area? We've got the spot for you. All-state insurance in Westchester. Yeah, and uh, it's the same person you can count on to help protect you. you. It can also help you set a reasonable retirement goal. Then show you the right financial solutions to help you get there. A good plan and a good life starts with someone you trust. 
Call all state agent Dave Lavoie in Westchester, PA. The number is 610-430-0700. And start planning for your retirement today. That's right, Dave Lavoie, 610-430-0700. And, Bill, before we talk Eagles, we need to say happy 75th birthday to this guy. Oh, my darling, not three times on the ceiling if you want me. <laughs> Sorry. You're giving out birthday wishes to everybody, my friend. Tony Orlando. Fred, do you even know who Tony Orlando is? <laughs> no, I do not. I have no idea. <laughs> you young snappers. Not three times, Fred. There you go. That was uh, one of his big hits. All right. Hey, you said, you mentioned Eagles. Let's talk about the new running back in the nest, former Chicago Bear, Jordan Howard, a.k.a. the Bulldozer. Just 25 years old, just three years in the league. One of them is as an all-pro. Uh, you happy with this pickup, guys? And uh, does this help settle the backfield situation? Well, I love it, Bill. I mean, they gave up a low-round draft pick for a guy who's rushed for an average 1,100 yards in his first three years in the league. Decent blocker, not a great receiver, apparently, but the Birds have plenty of guys who can catch the ball. Uh, Howard has stayed healthy. I really don't see any downside to this. It's a great pickup by Howie. Fred, do you agree? I agree with the compensation and, and, and getting a, a, a veteran running back in there, but I, I think we need to temper expectations on on who he is and what he is right now because the, the Bears don't just give him away for a fifth or sixth round pick if he isn't if there isn't something not there. So with our offense, I think he can fill a void and, and have a solid running back that he can give the ball to and not worry about it, but we still need to add at the running back position. We definitely need – someone that can catch the ball out of the backfield. I'm not sure how Howard is on third down pickup, and um, I, I still think there's more. So this doesn't solve the situation, but it's definitely a good move. Well, it, it, certainly, um, it, it certainly affects the Jay Ajayi situation, I think. Uh, you know, he, he is a free agent, not getting – it doesn't sound like he's getting much interest. And the thought was that he may come back at a lesser uh, pay – I think this is certainly a replacement for Ajayi. Definitely. I agree. Because Ajayi's running on Boone, kind of like Westbrook did at the end of his career. Remember he went to the 49ers and it just was over? I think that's where Ajayi's at right now. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, now, Fred, you, you followed – I'm sure you followed Howard some on the uh, – in the fantasy football standpoint. And I guess it looks like Terry Cohen is going to – be given that job Cohen didn't have as good a year as Howard but uh, what do you think of Howard overall what what's your analysis is he a keeper what is from a fantasy standpoint or yeah, from overall, fantasy, like, fantasy or just his role with the Eagles you see him being a three down back no I don't I, I don't think the Eagles are a three back a three a three down back team I think he'll fill Kind of the J, like you just said, the replacement for Jay Jai on that Super Bowl role. It's kind of a combo of the two, you know. You got someone that can run between the tackles, get the extra yards like Legarrette Blunt could do. I, I definitely see him. He's going to have a role on here, kind of like Josh Adams did last year. You know, he'll get the ball, he'll be able to, and they'll give it to him more because they'll trust him. From a fantasy standpoint, um, I, I don't, I don't. The Eagles mix back so much. You, I don't think he's going to be like a – he'll be a guy you, you start here and there if you have a good matchup and you think they're going to use him. But I don't think he's an every-down back, no. Hey, guys, I want to hit you with one other quick thing. Uh, there's been another push for the Kelly Green Eagles jerseys to come back, at least as an alternate uniform. Uh, I think Jeffrey Lurie is a little more optimistic now that they might actually get it in time for 2020 or at the latest 2021. I personally have never really understood the love and affection for the Kelly Green look. I know some of the old-timers do love it, but let's go to you first, Bill. Are you more a fan of the Kelly Green or the Midnight Green? Yeah, it doesn't really matter to me. Um, exactly. I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 to me, I mean, it's just a reason to sell more jerseys. Uh, I mean, you look I, – I always look over at the hockey side and these alternate jerseys, and I then I hate them every year. Um it's just a reason to try to sell stuff. I, I don't care one way or the other. I'm surprised. All right, cool. I um I agree that it's a reason to sell jerseys, and that's the reason why we ever went to Midnight Green to begin with. But I love the Kelly Green, and not not the uh -huh. Kelly Green that we wore that one year when Shady McCoy and then they wore it for like a game or two or whatever it was. I want 
the Randall Cunningham, early 90s, Kelly Green, you know, the, the Reggie White, the black cleats. There, there was something about that jersey, and maybe it's just a nostalgia for myself that I love watching them playing in that uniform, the silver pants. You know, I, I would love to bring that back, at least as an alternate. Because they're, they're going to make an alternate one way or the other to sell jerseys. So why not be that, that Kelly Green that most of us have the jerseys already, and then we can have some of our, you know, current players wearing them as well. Well, I think you if go. you're going to do that, I'll, I'll go back to the 60s jerseys, that Timmy Brown one that I have that I wore over to our live show. If you're yeah. talking about old nostalgic jerseys, now those were cool. Well, that's, that's for you. I guess that is cool. To me, that looks like a Bonner jersey, to be honest. <laughs> but when you walked in, I thought it was a Capaletti for a second because of your Penn State. But um, but then I realized you, you told me. But, yeah, you're right. Every, I guess, era of you, of a fan, you know, goes back to nostalgia for you. And, and that Kelly Green early 90s is, is when I became an Eagles fan. You know, they stop them again. Like that that <laughs> all is, is where my heart is. And that, that's why I love it so much. All right. Hey, Chad, real quick, what about you? You asked the question, what about you? I, I really don't care. I mean, I don't have a strong preference either way. I liked the Kelly Green. I liked the Midnight Green. I'm not into the whole nostalgia thing where, yeah, let's go back to the Kelly Green. I know Vince Papali's a fan of the Kelly Green for obvious reasons, but I really have no preference either way. I got you. All right, hey, Fred, I don't know who you had to win the NCAA tournament, but Chet had North Carolina. I had Duke. Uh, they're not going to cut down the nets on Monday night. Who who's going to win this thing, guys? I I had Kentucky, but this is a cool thing that happened. My friend runs a Sweet 16 pool, so you make your picks after the first round, uh-huh. and um, I picked Auburn to win it all. So just just going the opposite of my regular pool. That's why I didn't really think that. So I'm pretty excited. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I clearly have no idea at this point. I don't even have a strong rooting interest going forward. I'd probably root for Auburn just, you know, because Sir Charles would be so happy. But hopefully we'll get three more exciting games like what we saw this past weekend. I was fortunate enough to see at least, you know, the latter parts of all four games, and they, of course, all went down to the wire. So let's hope the semifinals and final are equally exciting. Yeah, and I, I tell you what, that Michigan State team is pretty darn good. And uh, But, you know, I, I think – from a TV standpoint, you'd say Virginia, Michigan State would be the draw, but uh, an Auburn Texas Tech game could be really interesting for two teams to go to the to the dance to the final. Go Auburn! It, yeah, it could go. It could go either way. If you you really got in that Virginia, the Virginia Auburn game, two opposite teams. Like Auburn wants to run the floor and shoot the three. Virginia wants to slow you down and and methodically score. And then on the other end, you got Michigan State, who's great defensively, and they're good at scoring. And then Texas Tech is not so great at scoring. They have a hot player. He's averaging uh, 21 in the tournament, but they're number one defensively. So it's definitely going to be interesting. I think it could go either way, both sides. Sounds good. Hey, Fred, before we let you go, uh, I have to ask you your thoughts on the Phils, uh, their 4-1 start, almost 5-0. and oh, uh, you're pretty fired up. Oh man, does it not feel like 2011? Just I, I know it's only four games in, but we haven't, I guess, tasted bats like this. Like they've had what? What was it? Ten, five, eight, eight. You know, they've got like five runs or more every game, and eight in three out of the four. Or so, or four out of the five. So it, it's so exciting, and and this lineup, I just, it's I don't know where how we're going to be stopped barring injuries because the top of our lineup last year is now the bottom of our lineup this year. So when you get to the bottom, it's like you're facing players that could be in the top across the board, across the league. So I'm, I'm excited. Me too. I'll tell you one thing we didn't get to talk about with wheels, uh, Chet, but the one of the other things that I really see that I like, again, we're only five games in, but all goes with hitting the baseball is, you know, one of my beefs last year was take, they were taking too many pitches, working into deep counts and this and that. These guys are up there hacking. You know, Franco is swinging like a madman. So is Harper. Everybody is – they see a pitch, they're swinging at it. There's none of this let's wait and see, draw deep counts, wear the pitcher out. Let's beat him out of the game this year. 
And as you said, Bill Harper such a sweet swing. I love watching Bryce Harper bat now because it's like Wheels was saying, it's kind of like when Dick Allen was around, it's almost like appointment television to watch this guy bat to see what he might do. Well, his hands are so quick through the zone, it's crazy. And All right, how about boy, hey. Kapler? What, Go one thing. How about Kapler? We we don't have – he just – the lineup is the lineup. We've had one double five switch games. in five games. Like, it's, it's, it's great. I hope it, I hope it just keeps going this way, you know, play baseball the way it should be played. Use the analytics as a tool, but don't let the computer run the show. Uh, amen. Amen. And, and I'll tell you the thing, as I was saying earlier about them being fired up as a team and, and, and taking accountability. I'm, I'm actually, you hear, you heard it here first guys. I'm going to give Kapler a head, uh, a heads up on this, a shout out. Cause I think, uh, his personality now that he's got players like this, now that is what's showing. And I think, you know, I'm still not sure he's a wonderful baseball manager on the, on game day, but getting guys ready to play and all that I think is his strength, and he's got players to do it now. There you go. I agree. All right, Fred, thanks for joining us. Let's do it again. And, uh, heck, we, I was going to say go Sixers, go Phillies, go everybody. Go there, go Philly, Philly versus everybody. There you <laughs> Have go. Have a good one. All right, Fred. Hey, Bill, hey, Chet. Uh, be, be, before we carry on, Bill, one quick thing while we're talking baseball. Uh, our buddy Mike Barnes is running an event this Saturday. It's through the Barcam Healing Hearts Foundation for Tito's Homemade Vodka Home Run Derby. It's hosted by athletes and artists. It's this Saturday morning from 10 a.m. till 1 p.m. Registration starts at 9.30 a.m. This is at Xfinity Live, outside Xfinity Live. Uh, Tito's Alley outside Xfinity Live. I'm going to be there and uh, watch people take swings in the Tito's Home Run Derby. Ricky Batalico is going to be there. Michael Barkan will be there. and It's going to be a good time. So, Go support the Barkan Healing Hearts Foundation. You can get all the details at thebarkanfoundation.org. Again, thebarkanfoundation.org for Tito's Homemade Vodka Home Run Derby. All right. And, hey, we're gonna, we got to pay the bills here for just a second, but I want to come back to you and ask you for a second, if we have a minute, about this new building they're building downtown. Why do I think that's something that you're going to really like? I, w- I need to know about that. I, I know nothing about it. It's the eSports thing. I don't play eSports. You know how old I am, and I'm not into the whole thing, but apparently it's going to be a popular place, and I'm sure it'll do well with the younger set. Is that all it is? Okay, well, I, I thought it was more than that. All right. Hey, let's give a shout-out to the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They've continued to run out great autographed memorabilia, from all the Philly teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 21. Pretty good odds. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC118RASROOM. That's right. PPCC118RASROOM on Facebook. And, hey, Chet, right now there is a Reggie White autographed item posted up there, and uh, it's actually moving very slowly, I'm told. Ah, well, get on it then, folks. Are you ready for Random Q2, Bill? Yes, sir. Let's back up to random Q2. I'm ready for you. We're about to the end of this. I know. Week nine of our third season of random Q2. By now, if you're listening, you know the drill. I ask you two questions. We cover the whole thing in two minutes. First thing is a timely sports issue. So, Bill, we saw an incredible weekend of NCAA elite basketball games last Saturday and Sunday. As I mentioned, all four games went right down to the wire. You've watched a lot of hoops over the years. What is your favorite college basketball memory? Uh, well, obviously the, the Duke Kentucky games, everybody's memory, I think, um, the Villanova national championship, but mine is a little different yet from my days of working at the palestra sitting in row one mid court, St. Joe Villanova, Tom Inglesby, Mike Bannum. Hmm. And it was a classic for the ages, and I don't remember exactly the score. I want to say maybe 64, 63, something like that. City Series at its best back in those days, probably 1973-ish, something like that. That would be number one on my list. You surprised me because I thought you would either say the first Villanova championship or something involving John Wooden, so you surprised me. Anyway. For your second question, Bill, you know the drill. Pick a number. Your remaining number choices are four and nine. Uh, 
Ninth. All right. And this is another food question, Bill. Do you have a oh. go-to snack item? And if so, what is it? Cake. Birthday really? cake. Yes. Hey, you're a cake guy. Me, it's either ice cream a, or barbecue chips. I can tell you that in my house right now is a piece of cake in a container. They cut them in slices <laughs> and pieces. And my wife happened to go out of town for three days. She bought me three pieces of cake. Wow. Let's move on. Uh, there you go. Surprised you again, didn't I? Yes, indeed. All right. Well, hey, let's tell us uh, who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week. Uh, we're, we're winding down to almost the draft time. Bill, this one will surprise you, and you will love it. Our guest next week. Now listen to the clues. He's a Philadelphia native. He grew up in Wilmington. He's considered something of a sports marketing expert. He's also a motivational speaker and the author of more than 100 books. And he's in the Basketball Hall of Fame, having worked for the 76ers for many years. In fact, as GM, he put that 1982-83 championship team together, later went on to help bring the Orlando Magic into the league. He's still an executive with the Magic, and he will be on with us live next week. By now, you've probably figured out that we are talking about the legendary Pat Williams, and this one is going to be pretty special, Bill. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. You're raising that bar, Chet. I knew you'd like that one. Oh, absolutely. That is that is awesome, man. You talk about a guy that knows everything there is to know about the NBA. That's bad. Yeah, we're going to try to cram as much into a conversation of like 25 minutes or so as we can with Pat Williams. It's going to be great. Yes, it is. Well, oh, can't can't wait. All right, Ted, let's remind our listeners to visit our Philly Press Box Radio website, phillypressboxradio.com. Cover all the big stories of the Philly sports scenes. We also write a few articles ourselves. You can listen to our last two podcasts and our latest Vimeo as well. We still have sponsor banners going across the top. Click on the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, Allstate Insurance banners to go directly to their websites. Remember, it's phillypressboxradio.com. Yeah. All right, Mr. Chesco, parting shot for you tonight. I do not have one. Bill, I know we're only five games into this baseball season, but i got to be honest. I am really amazed with the start that this Phillies team has gotten off to. It's not just the 4 and one record. It's the way the club with five or six new faces has seemed to bond. Granted, winning games helps, as you said earlier, but the guys seem to really like one another. You can see that by the joking around, the smiles, the group celebrations after big hits. The first four games, they were pretty much playing flawless baseball. It got kind of messy today. Uh, as for Bryce Harper, well, as I mentioned, we were talking to Wheels. He has been quite the breath of fresh air. We know the guy can play. The six all-star appearances, the rookie of the year, the MVP award, they're all there as evidence. But it's all of the other stuff that has really been impressive, from his introductory press conference to his first full week playing games that count. He's been close to perfect in terms of saying all the right things and his acknowledgments of the Phillies fans, including those in the right field stands in Washington. Yeah, he got the $330 million contract, but that aside, he very obviously is pretty happy with his decision to become a Philadelphia Philly. Here's to a bunch of great years for Harper and the Phils. Oh, yeah, and I, I couldn't agree more, Chet. And I, I tell you, I cannot ever remember, I don't think, being this excited about watching a team every day. I just think they they have a chance to be really, really good. We'll see how it goes, but uh, – Maybe we'll be disappointed. You know, 96 wins is a lot of wins, but uh, I'm excited about them every day. I think uh, when they run them eight guys out there, they got a chance to win every night. I totally agree, and I look forward to every game this year now. It's going to be fun. Yep. All right. Well, with that, we've reached the top of the hour, Chet, so let's thank our special guests, Chris Wheeler, Fred Hugo, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Razroom and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chet Chesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio Wednesday, April 10th at 7 p.m. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or you can find our podcasts on iTunes and tune in. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Oh!